0: Nothing is more powerful than the connection between a storyteller and their audience. Over 100 million Americans listen to podcasts every month, forming lasting connections with their favorite creators. And 56% of those listeners have purchased a product after hearing about it on a podcast. But there's an art to building meaningful relationships between consumers, hosts, and brands. Ad Results Media has it down to a science. Ad Results Media specializes in helping breakthrough brands join the conversation at scale. With over 20 years of expertise, Ad Results Media amplifies brand stories across thousands of shows, publishers, and emerging platforms. They're a data-driven matchmaker, strategically pairing world-changing brands with engaged audiences to create the sound of success. For an experienced partner to help your brand find the right audience, achieve long-term growth, and improve advertising ROI, look no further. Be part of the story. Learn more at adresultsmedia.com slash story. That's adresultsmedia.com slash story.
1: kremel hair tonic and Cremel shampoo present the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Starring Nigel Bruce as Dr. Watson and Tom Conway as Sherlock Holmes. Once again, it's Monday night and time to keep that weekly date with our good friend and host, Doctor Watson. Let's join, you, shall we? Good evening, Doctor Watson. Good evening, Mister Bell. Draw up your usual chair. Ah,
2: that's it. There's tobacco jo- in the, the jar there beside you. Thank you, Doctor Watson.
1: And now, how about tonight's new Sherlock Holmes?
2: Oh, adventure? my boys, I told you last week that the story took place in the fetid depth lurking behind the walls which line the north side of the river near London Bridge.
1: Sounds like good old Limehouse to me. (laughs) It
2: was, Mr. Bell, though I prefer to call it bad old Limehouse. For it's a neighborhood where human life was held cheap, and a scream in the night or the sickening sound of a criminal's bludgeon were almost commonplace. That, Mr. Bell, is the setting of the weird adventure that I call Cue for Murder.
1: Dr. Watson, you're beginning to make my hair stand on in... Oh,
2: speaking of hair, Mr. Bell, haven't you... uh,
1: a message <laughs> for Yes, Dr. Watson, I have. Naturally, most any man who takes pride in his appearance uses a hairdressing to keep his hair in place. And men, what about the product you're using at present? You find it too greasy, too highly perfumed? Does it make your hair feel sticky and dirty? Then here's a tip. Change to Kremel hair tonic. This highly specialized hair tonic has just enough light oil to keep hair handsomely groomed. Every hair neatly in place with a rich, healthy-looking luster. Yet Kremel never leaves hair looking or feeling greasy or sticky. This is because Kremel contains a special combination of hair-grooming ingredients which is found in no other hair tonic. After you use Cremel, just run your hand back over your hair. Notice how delightfully clean your hair feels. Notice how no greasy film comes off on your hand or hat band. Cremel always gives hair such a handsome, clean-cut look. As if you'd just combed it. And it keeps it that way all day long. K-R-E-M-L. Cremel hair tonic. Now, Dr. Watson, I'm eager to hear the new Sherlock Holmes story, Q for Murder. Well, Mr. Bell, that
2: strange adventure began in the small hours of a foggy November morning. An emergency call at midnight had roused me from my warm bed, and a rattling horse cab would take me to the Limehouse District, where an old patient of mine lay desperately ill. For hours I did my best to save a life that flickered in the balance. Finally, I decided that an ambulance was necessary. The sick man needed the resources of a hospital. Accordingly, I left the house and began to walk the cobbled streets looking for policemen. At Limehouse at three in the morning is a deserted and frightening district. I could hear the ghostly tooting of the fog bones on the river boats in the distance. As I walked along, Eyes alert, my hand was on the trusted revolver in my pocket, for I was no stranger to the risks involved in walking the streets of Limehouse that such an hour. Suddenly, under the flickering gaslight ahead of me, I saw the blurry outline of a London policeman. So I called out. Constable! Constable! The man didn't hear me, for he suddenly turned abruptly and disappeared down the steep flight of steps his bull's-eye lantern dancing away like a fading will-o'-the-wisp into the insurgent blue. I decided to follow that vanishing figure, and I quickened my footsteps. After a moment, I saw where the policeman had gone. Between a shop shop and a gin shop, I noticed a steep flight of stairs leading down a black gap that looked like the mouth of a cave. I walked down. The steps were worn hollow in the centre by the ceaseless tread of stumbling feet. I reached the bottom. A door faced me and above it, a flickering oil lamp winked warnings at me. I found the latch of the door, lifted it. The door squeaked open protestingly. And I entered. There was a tinkle of glass-beaded curtains as I walked towards a long, low room. A strange sight met my eyes. Through the gloom, thick and heavy with a filthy brown smoke of opium, I saw the room was terraced with wooden berths. Bodies lay in strange, fantastic poses. bowed shoulders, bent knees, and heads thrown back. Suddenly an attendant walked up to me with a pipe and beckoned me to an empty berth.
1: This way, please.
2: I haven't come here to smoke that foul drug. I saw a policeman enter this place a few moments ago. I want to speak to him.
1: No policeman here. I'm
2: carrying a revolver, so you'd better not argue with me, my good man. Where'd he go?
1: He in back room. My there. Follow me, please. In here. Well, bless my soul, if it ain't Dr.
2: Watson. All right,
1: Wong, you can leave it. Yes, sir. I right, know. Well.
3: You seem
2: to know me, Constable, but I don't recall meeting you before. Oh, I've seen you and Mr. Elms at Scotland Yard, Doctor. My name's Medi- Merriweather, Constable Merriweather. You couldn't have arrived at a better time, sir. This man needs a doctor, bad. Poor oh, A patient of mine nearby needs an ambulance. That's why I followed you down here. Oh, I'll examine this wretched fellow first. How did you know he was, he was here, Constable? They sent a message to the station. Uh, said he was in trouble here. He's in trouble, yes. He's in trouble, all right. The poor devil's coughing his eyes. And, uh, nothing I can do but make his dying a little more comfortable. Here you are. Um, hand me my bag, Constable, will you? Here you are, Doctor. Uh, so I'll give him a sedative. At least it'll keep him out of pain. Who oh, are you? What you do? I'm a doctor, my man. Here, yeah, this will ease your pain. Uh, there. Uh, you good man, doctor. You help me. Now you help me kill devil who brings opium to my people. Brings opium? What are you talking about? You good man. You find Dr. Sturgeon. He bad man. Dr. Sturgeon. I've heard of a Dr. Sturgeon. What's his address? He's asleep, Doctor. Yes. This poor devil's hours are numbers, I'm afraid.
1: You know, Dr. Watson, this is a great honor for me. I read every story you've written. To me, Sherlock Holmes
2: is almost like a god, you might say. Oh, thanks very much. One of these days, I hope to be a detective myself. Indeed, and I think if you study me, you might learn a few pointers. I shall lose no time in investigating this matter. I may be able to expose a a shocking scandal. Hadn't you better leave that to Mr. Sherlock Holmes, sir? That's more in his line, isn't it? No, rubbish, my good man. This is one case I'm more than capable of handling myself. I shall call on Dr. Sturgeon as soon as his office opens in the morning.
3: Surgeon's secretary. And I'm afraid you can't see the doctor now. His first patient is due at any moment, and you haven't got an appointment. But
2: I'm a doctor myself. My name is Watson.
3: Nevertheless, no, you'll have to make an appointment. Now, look
2: here, my good woman. I'm not.
3: I'm not your good woman. And you cannot see Dr. Surgeon.
2: But, uh, Sturgeon and I were friends at, at, at medical school together. Sturgeon the surgeon, we <laughs> call <For> him. <laughs> Sorry, don't you think, Mr. Clark?
3: <laughs> not at all. Huh? And what medical college did you attend, Dr. Watson? The University of London. Odd that you should have met Dr. Sturgeon. He studied at the University of Glasgow.
2: Oh, well, I was at Glasgow, too, for a while, now that you mention it.
3: You've wasted enough of my time. I don't know what you're after, but I think you'd better leave.
2: Good, good heavens. What was that? It
3: came from the doctor's office. Come along. Dr. Sturgeon.
2: Ah, ah, he's choking. I'll loosen his oh. colour.
3: Dr. Surgeon. Dr. Sturgeon. What is it? He's trying to say something. Uh, Bees. Be. Uh, uh,
2: uh, uh. Freddy's dead.
3: Look. Look at the marks on his throat.
2: Great heavens, he's been strangled, Miss Stark. Stay here and guard the body. I'm going to fetch Sherlock Holmes at once. Uh-huh. Back again. Yes, Miss Stark, this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes. How do you do?
3: How do you do? Uh,
2: no one's been here since I left?
3: No. Patient came into the outer office, but I sent her away.
2: Splendid. Tell me, Miss Dark, is there another entrance to this office?
3: Yes, Mr. Holmes. The doctor had a private door from the outside leading into the laboratory in there. He always let himself in that way.
2: Did he ever admit patients by that private door?
3: Why should I answer your questions? You're not the police.
2: I appreciate your loyalty, Miss Duck, but I assure you that if you're trying to protect your dead employer, you'll find me to be more understanding than Scotland Yard.
3: Very well. What do you want to know?
2: I repeat my question. Did Dr. Sturgeon admit patience by his private door?
3: Yes, he did, Mr. Holmes. Sometimes. I never saw them, but I'd
2: hear voices in there. Hmm. Perfect way of distributing drugs without anybody knowing.
3: Are you implying that Dr. Sturgeon... Quite.
2: You say that as he was dying, he kept pointing to a pad on his desk, Watson? Yes, his arm's lying across it now. Hmm. Let's see if there's any message written on the pad. Ah, there is. It's an address. 116 Upper Swandham Lane, Millwall. That's in the heart of Limehouse. Precisely. An odd address to find written on the desk pad of a Harley Street physician. Watson, you're convinced that as the man was dying, he uttered the word peace? Well, that's what it sounded like to me. Peace. Well, perhaps he meant that death would bring him peace after his mortal sins. Impossibly, Watson. And now to examine the marks on the dead man's throat.
3: I think I'll wait in the other room if you don't mind. Hmm. Looks as if he was strangled
2: with a piece of rope. Look more closely. Observe these traces of oil on the throat. And look. Look at this. I you long black hair. That means a woman, did it? Oh, no, Watson, I think not. The combination of long black oily hair and a Limehouse address would point to one obvious conclusion. Dr. Sturgeon was strangled with a Chinese cube. Strangled with a cube? How would that be possible? That, my dear Watson, is our next problem. Tell Mr. Act to send for the police. Our work here is done. We're going to Limehouse? Certainly. As soon as we have adopted suitable disguises, we shall investigate the mystery of 116 Upper Swandham Lane. I pray that the answer to murder lies there. soul, Holmes, you make the most convincing-looking dockhand. Thank you, Watson. Now, let me see. One, one, six. It's the next house. Oh, there's a policeman standing just outside it. It's Constable Merriwella, the one I met last night. Hello, Constable. Something happened? Never you mind. Just keep moving well, on. Oh, we ain't doing no, now, L-M-M-M-M-M-M. mate. We, we now, if we're just going down in a pig and whistle for part a mildew, bitter. Ain't that right, Alfie? Of course it is, Bertie. Then off you go, both of you. Oh, can't a bloke stop and pass the time of day? Ain't you been a bit narky, chum? Aye, uh, here, what's, uh, what's happened here? Murder, that's what's happened. Now move along there. Murder? And at the address on Dr. Sturgeon's pad. Here, here, who are you? Oh, it's all right, Merriweather. It's Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Well, blow me down. I'd never have recognized you, gentlemen. But what brought you to this address? I'll explain that later, Constable. Who has been murdered? A Chinese gentleman got himself done in. Was he strangled? I don't rightly know, sir. What do you mean you don't know? Surely the evidence of strangulation is perfectly easy to detect? I suppose it is. But you see, in this case, Mr. Holmes, the corpse ain't got no head.
1: In just a moment, we'll rejoin Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Leading hair specialists in this country constantly advise us to take better care of the hair we've got. And men, don't forget, one of the first requisites of handsome, healthy-looking hair is a hygienic scalp. So why buy just any hairdressing when you can enjoy the extra benefits of this highly specialized Kreml hair tonic? Kreml contains a special combination of hair-grooming ingredients which has never been duplicated in any other hair tonic. That's why Kreml keeps hair in place longer, always looking neat and orderly. But Kremel does lots more than keep hair looking handsome. Kremel is simply great to lubricate a dry scalp. At the same time, it removes dandruff flakes and leaves your scalp feeling so alive and invigorated. And men, if your hair is so dry it breaks and falls when you comb it, Kremel actually helps condition the hair in that it makes it feel softer, more pliable, and look as if it had some body to it. So, men, buy a bottle of Kreml at any drug counter. Ask for an application at your barber shop. Use Kreml daily for better groomed hair. For a more hygienic scalp. K-R-E-M-L. Kreml hair tonic. Well, Dr. Watson, what happened next?
2: Well, my boy, we quickly entered the house and examined the scene of the latest tragedy. Constable Merriweather seemed to be in a seventh heaven of delight to realize that he was working on a case with the great Sherlock Holmes himself. I'm glad you're here, and no mistake, Mr. Holmes. I'm a little out of my depth in a case like this, and I don't mind admitting yeah, it. Meriwether's a great admirer of yours, Holmes. He's, he's read every story that I've written. Indeed? You have a strong constitution, Constable. Though I will admit that this case presents as bizarre a problem as my friend has ever included in his rather sensational accounts. Oh, my story's not sensational, What oh, I can't oh, understand, sir, hmm? is why they took the head. Uh, for that matter... How was it stolen? Before we theorize, let us assemble the facts. Has the body been identified, Constable? Uh, Yes, sir. You see, he had a missing finger on one hand. Then obviously the head was not stolen in order to make identification of the corpse difficult. Who is the victim? A Chinese merchant by the name of Li Ming uh, ran a shop downstairs in the basement. Please describe the circumstances under which you discovered the crime. Well, gentlemen, I was on my beat and I saw the dead man walk up the stairs from the basement and go into the house passed the time of day with me, he did. Two hours is down, I stopped to talk to the fishmonger outside his shop. I must have talked to him for 15 minutes or more. What time was this, Merryweather? Just after 10 o'clock, sir. I see. Please continue. Well, sir, all the time I was watching this house, suddenly there was an ollieing and a yelling, and I runs back to find the man lying in here with his head gone. You were watching the house all the time, you say, Merryweather? Yes, sir, just idle-like. But I'll swear no one went in or out. Which means that somebody inside the house must be the killer. That's what I think, Doctor. Who are the other tenants? Well, Mr. Holmes, on this floor, there's an old Chinese lady. A servant to the dead man, she was. But she's half crippled with rheumatism, and I swear she couldn't have done it. But upstairs, there's a Chinese gentleman. Prince Fu Tsen. A prince? In these surroundings? He's got quite a place, too. Then you've already interviewed him? Oh, yes, sir. He and his nephew are up there. Swore they didn't have nothing to do about it, but the young fellow acted mighty suspicious-like. Perhaps you'd like to go up there, sir. I know you'd handle these foreigners better than me. Very well, Constable. Let us visit Prince Poutin at once. <laughs> come on in there, come on. Open up in the name of the law. I'm afraid the name of the law doesn't appeal to them. Unless I'm much mistaken, they're barricading furniture on the other side of the door. Yes, well, three good shoulders can take care of that, Holmes. Good idea, Watson. Come on, mm. one, two, three. Oh, there you go. Once more, Mister Holmes, and we'll do it. Oh, keep oh, yes.
1: out You have no right to break in like this.
2: Oh yes, we have, Mister Arnold Foo. You're under suspicion of committing murder.
1: I've already told you that I know nothing
2: about it. Then, in that case, Mister Foo, why barricade the door? Who oh, in blazes are you? I am Sherlock Holmes, and this is my colleague, Doctor Watson. Why, may I ask, is that partially packed Gladstone bag lying on the seat there? Were you uh, thinking of leaving? Of course I was. You oh, say so you know nothing about this, then why admit guilt by running away? Because I know this policeman suspected me. They call me a Eurasian, but I am Western by instinct and education. Because the color of my skin compels me to live in this part of London,
4: I. I knew that I was bound to be associated with a Chinese crime.
2: Despite your instincts and education, Mr. Fu, you seem to have a very poor opinion of British justice. Huh. Where is your uncle Prince Fu Chen? In the study. Uh, you can lead the way if you don't mind, Mr. Fu. I'd like to keep my eye on you. Oh, very well. Follow me. Well, I must say it's a sumptuous flat, Holmes. Some of these oriental furnishings must be priceless. Yes, Watson. Quite incongruous in such a district. Uncle, that policeman's back again. And uh, there's some other men with him.
4: Won't you come in, uh, gentlemen?
2: Prince Fu, this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. How do you do? Uh,
4: welcome do you do? Uh, to my humble abode, gentlemen. And uh, perhaps I may be permitted to ask why two such famous men should be dressed like riffraff from the quayside?
2: We're investigating a murder, Prince Fu.
4: You have come to speak to me of murder, Mr. Holmes? But I have already told the constable that I have no knowledge concerning the tragedy of which he spoke.
2: Possibly, principal, but uh, as we came in just now, the door was barricaded
4: and your nephew's bag was packed. He admitted that he was going to leave. Harold, my boy, what uh, prompted you to such an action? You have no knowledge of the crime? How could I prove it? You know as well as I do, Uncle, that a Eurasian hasn't got a chance. Quiet, Harold. Uh, Mr. Holmes. You must forgive the boy. He is young. Young and bitter. But he will learn in time that he is neither English nor Chinese. He is something far greater. He is a man.
2: Oh, the devil with your moralizing, Uncle. Prince Fu, you are a man of intelligence, and I'll put our cards on the table. The dead merchant downstairs and a certain doctor in Harley Street, who was also murdered today were undoubtedly both involved in peddling narcotics. I believe they were both killed by an associate who was afraid they might implicate him. That associate, from the constable's evidence, must be someone in this house. Prince Fu, I'm sure that you're wise enough to appreciate your position.
4: Mr. Holmes, in my own country, I devoted my life to fighting the ravages of drug traffic. Uh, Am I then to partake of its profits? Here in England? Hello, hello. Look here. Oh, what is it, Constable?
2: On the desk. It's a doctor's visiting card. Hmm. Henry Sturgeon, MD, 806 Harley Street.
4: Great, Scott.
2: How do you account for this, Prince I,
4: I am completely bewildered. I have never seen that card before, nor have I ever heard of a Dr. Sturgeon.
2: I suppose the wind must have blown it in, eh? Funny coincidence and no mistake. Shall I arrest him, Mr. Holmes? No, whether though I would like you to remain here on guard. In the meanwhile, Watson and I have one vital task to perform. What's that, Holmes? We must search this house from basement to chimney top. We've got to find that missing head. Holmes, I've searched the house with a fine-tooth comb. I swear the missing head isn't here. So will I, old chap. That's why I gave you the job of searching for it. Then why the blazes waste my time while you go careering all somewhere else. Oh, don't be angry with me, Watson. I needed you to create a diversion to cloak my real activities. Oh, huh? where have you been? I've been having a most illuminating talk with a certain tradesman by the name of Albert Loggs. Now I know who our double murderer is. Good Lord. Who? I suggest that we return to Prince Fu Tsen's flat upstairs. There I shall make the matter clear to you.
4: Am I to understand that you have solved this shocking crime?
2: Yes, Prince Principal. Which one of them was it,
1: Mr. Holmes?
2: Meriwether, you've been on this case from the beginning. You've been remarkably astute in some of your deductions. Thank you kindly, sir. That's real praise coming from you, Mr. Holmes. Surely you can see the obvious link between the two murders? I think I can, Mr. Holmes. Dr. Sturgeon got himself strangled with a Chinese cube. Now, we know one of these two men did it. But Mr. Harold Foo wears his hair short like an Englishman. Only the prince has a cue. It must have been him.
4: It seems logical to me, Holmes. And uh, singularly lacking in logic to me, my friend.
2: I quite agree, Prince Foo. You see, Watson, you and Constable Merriweather overlooking the stolen head. Why was it stolen? What more likely reason than for the sake of its cue? And if the merchant's head was the weapon used to strangle Dr. Sturgeon, then the murderer wished to create the imaginary figure of someone wearing a cue. Therefore, the murderer did not have a cue. Then it was Harold Fool. Yes, it must be. Well, that's utterly ridiculous. Of course it is. You're overlooking one vital point. Limiting our suspects to the prince and Mr. Harold Foo depends entirely on Constable Merriweather's testimony, which means that we have three suspects. And the third is the constable. Me? You're joking, Mr. Holmes. Murder is not a subject for levity, constable. But Holmes, what motive could he have had? The reason is obvious, Watson. Why did the murders occur immediately after you stumbled into this trafficking in narcotics? Because Meriwether himself was involved with the criminals. He overheard the man last night tell you about Dr. Sturgeon. And so Dr. Sturgeon had to die. You mean that Meriwether was a member of this ring? Of course, and a dishonest policeman could be a very valuable ally. Mr. Round. you've you got hold of the wrong end of the stick and no mistake. No, I haven't, Constable. You killed the merchant downstairs, decapitated the poor devil, and then used his cue to strangle Dr. Sturgeon. You lied about the time you'd seen him enter. You said it was after 10 o'clock. Well, how can you prove it wasn't that time, Mr. Round? I just talked to Albert Bloggs of the fishmonger. He saw you for a moment at 8.30 this morning. He did not see you at ten. Great Scott and Merriweather killed the merchant first, went over to Dr. Sturgeon and strangled him, probably dropped the head into the river, and came back here and lied about the time. Precisely. And on his first visit to this flat, he carefully planted one of Dr. Sturgeon's cards, knowing that it would incriminate Prince Fool. As cold-blooded and horrible a crime as ever I encountered. You're a disgrace to the force, Merriweather. Now, oh, wait a moment. wait a moment. You've still got no proof. My word's as good as that stinking fishmonger. I doubt it. In any case... Another word pins the crime on you. One from beyond the grave, the dying word that Dr. Sturgeon uttered. He uttered the word peace. And why should he say peace when he was pointing at the address and trying to indicate to us his murderer? No, he died while he was saying what sounded like peace. What he was trying to say was PC, which stands for police constable. He died as he tried to accuse his murderer, police constable Merriweather. You'll never get me on the end of the Grab him, grab him, he's (laughs) heading for the window. Must be 40 feet down into the street. It'll be a miracle if he hasn't broken his neck. I'll go down and see what I can do for
4: him. A doctor will save a man's life so that he may lose it on the gallows. A quaint
2: custom. Prince who? I must apologize to you and your nephew for the embarrassment and humiliation to which you've been subjected.
4: Mr. Holmes, I must confess that I never expected that my quiet sanctuary, my haven from the outside world would be brushed by the wings of violence and sudden death. But I have seen justice done. And for the remainder of my poor life, I shall always revere the name of the man responsible. Sherlock Holmes. Mm
1: Ladies, one of the greatest beauty authorities in this country is John Robert Powers. And the first beauty advice Mr. Powers gives his lovely Powers models is to use only cremel shampoo to wash their hair.
4: And isn't he wise, Mr. Bell? Because cremel shampoo is one shampoo that can be bought today that leaves the hair fairly teeming with natural, brilliant highlights. Yet never under any circumstances does cremel shampoo ever dry the hair.
1: You see, cremel shampoo is not a soapless shampoo. It's not a cream shampoo. It's entirely different.
4: How right you are, Mr. Bill. Why, after a cremeux shampoo, even dull, lifeless-looking hair actually radiates all its natural, glossy luster. And cremo shampoo has a built-in oil base, which helps keep the hair from becoming dry or brittle. In fact, it's wonderful to soften dry, brittle ends.
1: So, ladies, be smart. Always wash your hair with cremeux shampoo. It leaves the hair a vision of shining beauty, yet in no way hurts the texture. No matter how often you use Kremel shampoo, or over a long period of time, it's always so mild and gentle on your hair. And remember, ladies, no other shampoo leaves the hair sparkling with more natural, glossy luster. It's K-R-E-M-L. Cremel shampoo. Now, Dr. Watson, what about next week?
2: Well, now, let me see, what I'll
1: tell you next week.
2: Next week... Uh, next week, Mr. Bell, I think I'll tell you a story about some strange deaths that happened, of all places, in the British Museum. I call it The Singular Affair of the Ancient Egyptian Curse. Mm.
1: Tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure was suggested by an incident in Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, The Man with the Twisted Lip. Nigel Bruce appeared by permission of California Pictures. Tom Conway through the courtesy of Eagle Lion Pictures. The Sherlock Holmes series is produced by Tom McKnight. The original music composed and conducted by Alex Steinert. This is Joseph Bell speaking for Cremel Hair Tonic and Cremel Shampoo. I'm inviting you to be with us next week at this same time when Dr. Watson will tell us about the singular affair of the ancient Egyptian curse. This is ABC, the American
3: Broadcasting Company.